probably not going to be lengthy and, you know, probably not going to be real excitable today, but um, <clears throat> I um, mentioned earlier that uh, conversation my wife and I had coming to church this morning about how, how people, you know, are already uh, complaining about 2023 and um, things happening, whatever the case in their individual life is, and is ready to be done with it, just ready for it to be over and just anticipating uh, the coming of, the, of a new year. And uh, which we just kind of mentioned the, the fallacy of such statements. And I'm, I'm not saying that there's anything inherently wrong with being optimistic about a brighter future or a, a better year, whatever the case may be. You know, the fact of the matter is that they don't any of us know what 2024 is going to bring. It could bring tragedy uh, along with, with victories. Um, you know, it, it could bring a, a, a wide assortment of things, uh, both globally uh, and to you as an individual. And none of us know these things. We don't, we don't know any of this. And, and to, to assume that uh, that the, the, the coming year is going to be better than the one we're closing out is, is, is a presumptuous assumption uh, because the fact is nobody knows but God. You know, but, but this time of year, to me, as I, as I mentioned, is, always has a tinge of, uh, of sadness to it. Um, just something... You know, in me, I just, uh, I, I don't like endings, you know, on, on some things. <laughs> and, um, you know, to talk about, you know, one year passing and closing, then the opening of, of a new year, I can be optimistic, you know, about a new year, about a new season, you know, whatever it is that we are looking forward to, but but also at this time of year, I always find myself in, in a more of a reflective mood uh, and just reflecting over the things of the, the previous year. And the, uh, if you want to term it this way, the good things as, as well as the bad things, uh, the successes as well as the failures. And, um, and a lot of people don't want, like to look at it that way, look at the successes but not the failures, look at the advancements but not the shortcomings, in which we all know, as mentioned earlier, that it all works hand in hand anyway. The Bible does say that all things work to good. Amen. All things work together to good, to them who love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. 
So every, everything is working hand in hand. And, and, and in spite of the excitement of, of the victories and the, uh, and, and the accomplishments and the disappointments of the defeats and the things that are, are not accomplished, it all should be working together. But I, I want to read a, a scripture this morning and uh, and just kind of elaborate on on some things in retrospect uh, because I know that that uh, again there are people that says well I don't like to think about the uh, the closing of the year I don't like to think about all the things that happened in 23 and and uh, ready for that to get behind me. I don't like to be reflective. I don't like to look backwards. Well, you might ought to get used to looking backwards in some respects because from a scriptural standpoint, we're all going to look backwards one day. And, uh, and I want to use this scripture this morning just as a basis, Paul writes to the, to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. And uh, again, I'm, I'm not going to try to be lengthy today and certainly not really that excitable. Uh, <clears throat> I trust I'm on the the backside of an upper respiratory infection that I've been battling for over a week. But uh, after teaching for an hour, my voice is is sounding and feeling the strain. But Paul writes in in Second Corinthians chapter five, in verse number ten, he says, "For we must all." appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every one may receive the things done in this body according to that he hath done whether it be good or bad. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. With, with that one verse of scripture there Paul tells us that uh, that there's coming a day that the church I understand he's writing here to the church Paul makes this statement again to the church in a different setting but uh, he says it to the church in Rome as well that we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And, and the fact that, that when we stand there, uh, we are going to be there as individuals. Paul is writing collectively, but we're, we're going to stand before God as an individual. And by implication here, that when we stand before God, uh, this judgment seat that that Paul to which Paul is referring 
is not a judgment seat in the sense of what we hear in the word judgment. It's really, I don't like to take issue with, with the word of God, but uh, this word judgment in, in the English is really a bad translation. Uh, the, 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 the Greek word here is not so much judgment as it is a reward. It's the reward seat of Christ for the church. But even though it is a reward seat, and it is a place that we all must appear, that, that's what Paul says. Nobody is exempt. None of the church, no individual member of the body of Christ is exempt from standing before God at this reward seat. We must all appear there. Amen. There's, there's going to be that summons. You know, and I don't know how... It's all going to transpire and, and, and be laid out, you know, but there are reasons that in civil and criminal court you can be summoned to appear before court, before a, a judge or before a, a jury. I don't know what God's summons looks like. I don't know how it, it's going to be. I just know that Paul said every one of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ or that reward seat. And, and, and to that, that everyone may receive the things done in this body whether they be good things or whether they be bad things. Now, I'm, I'm not, not preaching this from a standpoint of, of, of condemnation. But I, the remarks that I make this morning, uh, I want them to be more reflective in nature. Be, because, we're, again, we're closing a year. If God tarries, we'll open a new year. But I want us to take into consideration the things that have been done in this body in this past year. Because those are the things that Paul said that we are going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ to, to give an account, so to speak. God is going to analyze the things that we have done in our body, whether they have been good or whether they have been bad. And that's, that's what we are going to be rewarded upon. The things done in this body. Or the things done, as Paul says, in his body. That we are going to receive a reward. But yet, in looking at that reward... There, there is first going to be an account because things are going to be tested. The, the things of life, of this life, are going to be put to the test. And, the, and Scripture is, is very clear.
clear on that. And what we do is going to be tested, whether it's good things or whether it's bad things. I want to propose to you at, at the onset here that in the, in the past 12 months, in the past 52 weeks, there, there have been things that you have been engaged in that, are, that when we stand before God are going to be profitable things. God's going to look at that and it's going to be a profitable thing. And, and there will be reward for that. But invariably there are going to be things that God looks at and analyzes and tests that is not going to stand up to God's testing measure. And, it, and it's going to fall short. And it's those things, it's those areas of life that I believe today is incumbent upon the church to, to really look at uh, under, under a microscope, so to speak, and see where there are things that we have done that we could analyze and we could look at it and say, I'm glad I did that. I, I'm glad I, I went there. I'm glad I did this particular thing. But yet, when you look at things in the proper lens, there are going to be those things that you have to honestly admit to yourself. Even though I did this, I could have done it better. I could have put more effort here. I, I could have prayed harder about this. I could have been more consistent in this area. Or on the opposite end of the spectrum, there uh, are going to be things that when it's brought to light, when we stand before the Lord, that, that God's going to say, you know what, you, you, you could have done this, but, but you didn't. And, and, you, and, and you should have done this, but you, you did not do that either. When what my goal is for myself personally is, is before I stand before God to, to look at my life in retrospect and say, you know what, I'm thankful I did this. I'm, I'm glad I was involved in this part of ministry. I'm glad that God gave me influence in this realm. But yet, there are things in my life that, that really I could have done better. That there are things that I could have done that I did not do at all. That there, there are influences that I could have made that, that could have been positive influences that I didn't make because of the, the issues of the moment or, or, or maybe my, my, my approach was, would, would have been wrong or my spirit was not right or, or my attitude about that was not what would have been pleasing to the Lord. See, every aspect of our life is going to be tested when we stand before God. And again, Scripture, scripture is clear indication. The psalmist writes in Psalm chapter 17 and verse number 3, the psalmist is speaking to the Lord when he says, Thou hast proved my heart. You have proved. What's he saying? You've tested You've tested my mind. You've tested my spirit. You have tested my motives. 
You, you have proved my heart. You have, you, thou, thou hast visited me in, in the night. Thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. The, the writer here is making a re, really a bold statement. It, it's a statement that I'm, I think standing here this morning, I would be afraid to make before God. I, I don't think that I would dare tell the Lord, you have proved my heart. Even though in, in the last 12 months, God has proved my heart. He has checked me. He, he has tested and, 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 and to say to the Lord, you have visited me in the night. You have tried me. Not only have you visited me in the night, but you have tried me. You have put me to the test. But yet the psalmist says, you didn't find anything. There was nothing there that was arrived that you could put your finger on and say, I've tested you here and I've tried you here and I didn't find nothing. Amen. Sometimes that could be our perspective of the testing and the trying and the proving times of God of our lives to say, you, you proved my mind. You tested me. You, you have visited me in the times of the night. And you have tried me, and, and God, you didn't find anything. I think from my perspective, it would be presumptuous for me to tell the Lord, you've proven me, and you visited me in the night, and you've tried me, but, but God, you didn't find anything there. You didn't find anything that you could put your finger on and say, I could have done better. Or I could have done at all. God, you, you, you found nothing, the psalmist said. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Now that, that's a good thing to purpose. I, I, I admit that that's admirable of, of the psalmist to say, I am purposed. But even in our greatest, even in our best times of trying to be optimistic in what we're going to do and not going to do. There are still times that we find ourselves as humans falling so short of that optimism that we have tried to portray and say, I am, I am determined. I have purposed in my heart. I've purposed in my mind. I've made it a purpose of my life that my mouth shall not transgress. Again, that's very admirable. But yet, the psalmist is setting for himself a very high bar to say I'm purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Does that mean that we should not have purpose or that we should not set goals or be optimistic about our intent to do things that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ that He'll look at that and He'll analyze all of that and find nothing wanting in us? Oh sure, it's an admirable goal. 
It's an optimistic goal. But we, but we have to understand in and of ourselves that there is not one thing that really we can do by ourselves. We do still need the help of God today. Amen? We still do need the power of the Holy Ghost working on the inside of us. We still do need to be governed by the Word of God. That Word that will lead us. That Word that the psalmist said is a light unto, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen. Despite our best intentions and our most optimistic times. Amen. There's, there are times that according to what the psalmist said, there are times in life that the Word of God at best just illuminates enough for us to take just one step at a time. But yet there are times that it's a light. It shines way down the road. It illuminates most everything in, in front of us. Amen. But in the coming year, if God tarries, I want a purpose in my life. Amen. To do more and to do better and to set a higher goal. For myself personally. Because in retrospect, when I stand and reflect on the last 12 months, the last 52 weeks, I can see areas in my life that when I stand before Him, if I were to stand before Him today, there are areas in my life that He's going to look at and find lacking. And you say, well, that's every one of us. And it is. And you say, well, that's the, that's the nature and the, the weaknesses and the failures of, of, of the human flesh. And it is. But again, that's not an excuse for us to not do our best when it concerns the kingdom of God. Amen? Very frequently I, I am reminded of the words of Brother Thomas in testimony several months ago. We were, we, we were having service and he testified and he talked about his wife being gone and the statement he made, I don't have anybody at the house except me. I don't have anybody to worry about. Nobody to look after except me. So I found out that if I could spend 10 minutes in prayer, I could spend 10 more minutes in prayer. I found out that if I read my Bible 10 minutes, I could read 10 more minutes. <coughs> Nobody else was there. Every once in a while when I reflect and I find myself coming short, Brother Thomas, your words ring loud and clear in my mind. If I do this for 10 minutes, surely I can do it for 10 more minutes. If I can do this for 10 I can do it another 10. And if I can do it another 10, I can do it another 10. 
In other words, the idea behind it is there's not anything that limits any one of us from what we can do in relation to the kingdom of God than ourself, our own purpose, and our own motives. Amen. We are the limiting factor. The limiting factor is not the God that, that we serve. The limiting factor really, really if you come down to it, is really not the limitations of the flesh because the Bible clearly tells us that the Spirit of God that's on the inside of us is the greatest thing that this world has ever seen and the greatest thing this world has ever known. There is no power in this world that is even comes close to matching the power and the ability of the Spirit of God as it rests on the inside of every child and every member of the body of Christ. There's nothing, nothing that compares to that. So if you've got the Holy Ghost inside of you, then I feel that we can accomplish anything that God has willed for His church and certainly for us as members of His body to accomplish in this world. So our life is tested. Our life is going to be tested. And as distasteful as it is for some people to look back on, on the past year and say, man, that was really bad. That was bad. The year, what, what about it was bad? What was it so distasteful in 23 that makes you want to propel yourself into 24, even though it may be presumptuously, and say 24 has got to be better? What is it was so bad? What was so traumatizing? What was so distasteful about it? When I read of people, and I have read of people that, that in the last few days has given God glory for, for His blessing upon them, and then turn around and admit the last several months, in fact, the last six months of this year has been very trying. It's been a trying time in my life personally, and sickness and, and battling the weakness of sickness they said the last six months has been very, very trying, but yet God has been merciful to me and God has been good to me. So what is it? What is it about the past year? that makes it so bad and so distasteful that we want to, again, we want to propel ourselves into the coming year with the anticipation that the coming year is not going to, not going to reveal any setbacks and no trial and, and no errors and, no, and reveal no weaknesses and, and everything is just going to be glory, you know, in, in the coming year. Can I tell 
you something? That, that really is, is not the truth of life in general. Amen. Because life has its ups and downs. It has its victories, but yes, it has its defeats. It, it has its straight and flat roads, but yet it's got its curvy, rocky places as well. It's, get, it's got its wellnesses, but yet it's got its sicknesses. Amen. And it all comes hand in hand. Amen. And if we are looking at it from the perspective that God would intend for His people to look at it, all of this is working hand in hand. It works together for the good of them that love Him and to them that are called according to His purpose. So in every trial... (coughs) There should be a silver lining. Not that there has been predominant victory over every trial, but yet that silver lining we can look at and say, you know what, that was a good thing for me. Because I told you recently, we talk about the blessings of God. Want to be blessed. How many want to be blessed of the Lord? Want to be blessed, everybody wants to be blessed. But I told you just recently, sometimes the blessings of God look just like trial and hardship. Because it should be working something in you. But I think one reason that people don't want to want to look back in retrospect. It is because looking back really carries with it uh, an essence of accountability. We don't like to be accountable for, for our errors. We don't like to be accountable for our weaknesses, our failures. You know, where we look at things uh, in, in, in true light and, and say, I could have done better here. We, we don't like accountability there. You know, because there's just something about human nature. But yet, yet we all are accountable. And again, Scripture, as well as letting us know that our life is tested, it also lets us know the truth of accountability to every one of us. Because we're going to be held accountable by God one day and in, when we stand before Him. But in Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 36, the Lord here, the Lord lets us know that one thing that we're going to be accountable for is every word that comes out of our mouth. I want you to think about that for a moment. Every word. Now, how, how in the world is there an entity that, that can record every word that every human being on the face of the earth has ever spoken or ever will speak. But yet, that's going to be the level of accountability that we are going to be held to when we stand before God. Because Jesus said, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give what? They shall give what? A what? An account. They're going to give an account thereof in the day of judgment. 
every idle word. That word idle means fruitless. It means foolish. It, if, if it doesn't add something, it, if it doesn't build something, every fruitless word, every vain word, every idle word, you want to know to what degree that humanity is going to be held accountable by God? Every word that's uttered out of our mouths, we're going to give an account of it in the day thereof, Jesus said. And so if we understand that degree of accountability, and we don't, we don't like for our lives to be put under the microscope. We don't like for anybody to look at us and tell us of our faults and our failures and our shortcomings. There's something about that that just goes through every aspect of our being. It makes us ill. It makes us mad. It makes us uncomfortable. And then we want to turn around and then we want to point an accusing finger at somebody and say, well, who are you to tell me that I'm coming up short here? I need to be doing this and I'm not doing it. But listen to me this morning. The, the accountability of our lives is going to be so detailed that Jesus said, we're going to give an account of every useless word. That comes out of our mouths. And if we're going to be held to that kind of scrutiny. Shouldn't you and I. Take a different approach. Of when we begin to analyze our own selves. And our own lives. And be honest with ourselves and before God. And let God know that I know. I could have prayed more this year. I could have prayed more this year. I could have prayed with more fervency this year. I, I, could, have, I could have read my Bible more this year. I could have I could have studied your word more this year. If I did it for ten, I could do it for ten more. If I prayed for ten, I could pray for ten more. If I prayed with this kind of with this intensity or this level of fervency, I could have prayed. At a higher level of fervency. Listen. I'm, I'm trying to get you to be reflective. I'm not trying to condemn anybody here. But I ask you a question this morning. If you had been more fervent in prayer this year. Could it be that this past year. Would have been the year that your kids found their return. To an altar of worship with God. If you, if you had intensified, if we had done more than, than what we really did and, and justifying ourselves, which we are so good at doing, is, and, and saying, well, I could only pray this amount of time. That's the only time I had because I had to do this. And listen, I understand schedules and God even understands that, that we are bound and we are limited in this life to a clock and 
to a time frame and a time schedule. But I'm telling you, once you, once you look at your life under the lens of the microscope of God, I'm telling you, the things that we did, we could have done better. And we could have done more. And listen, I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to myself today. Because I can only analyze my own calendar and my own schedule. And see where, as one writer said, the doer of good things could have done them better. And we look and we say, well, at least I did this, but to what degree did we do it? Because the writer speaks of that one that's in the arena, and he compares that one to the critic that's sitting on the outside, and he's judging the one that's in the arena. And the critic looks at the one that is the doer of good deeds and judges that the doer of good deeds could have done them better when he himself is not bothered to enter into the arena. So when I look at my own life in retrospect of 2023, some, some would look and say, well, I don't understand how you could fit anything else in your schedule. I don't understand how that you even do what you do now. But when I look at it and I look at my schedule and I look at time spent and other things, I see where the doer of good deeds could have done it better. And that's what I'm going to give an account for. I'm going to give an account for the times that I could have been a better witness than I was. The times that, that I could have prayed more than I did. That I could have spent more time in diligent study than I did. That I could have been at a more able minister of the New Testament than I was because we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give account amen give account <coughs> I'm not <coughs> I am not here to say this morning that there is never a time for recreation to recreate because there is. That word recreation has, has meaning to recreate. It's when something's worn out, when it's almost dead, it's time for recreation. To recreate that mind, that spirit, that body into new vigor and, and vitality. There is a time for recreation. So I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that when we stand before the Lord, we are going to be reflective. No matter how bad we don't want to be reflective today, 
we are going to be reflective when we stand before the Lord because he's going to pull up our past, our past, and he's going to judge our works that's been done in our bodies, whether they're good or whether they're bad. Now, I don't want him to, to look at me, and, he, and, and, and and invariably, you know, he may, but it's not my goal. I don't want him to look at me and say, you did this, but you could have done it better. You put minimal effort into this aspect of ministry, and you should have put this effort. You, you didn't pray here when you should have prayed. You, you didn't fast here when you should. You needed my direction. But yet you didn't pray and you should have prayed. You should have prayed with intensity. You should have witnessed to, to this one here. You should have been more graceful to this one. You should have been more tolerant to, to this one. Every aspect of our lives we're going to reflect on. I want to stand before the Lord having already reflected on, on my life. Not that I can say, here it is, God. You're going to search and you're going to find but, and you're going to look, but you're not going to find anything. I don't know that I'll ever get to that place. But I do want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. And the time that God gives us, and listen, we're, we're winding down rapidly. We're winding down rapidly. I've kind of got an idea that the church needs to maximize every effort that we have because time is getting very, very, very short, very close. I'm not going to preach to you the news. You can read the news just like I can. You can watch the news. But when you look at things that are happening in this world, in this nation, and happening at such a rapid pace, things that we never thought would happen in our lifetimes, it's happening. And, and it's happening quickly, 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 quickly. It's happening. We're not getting over one thing, something else is hitting. Before that's concluded, something else is, is hitting. Rapidly, rapidly, rapidly which reminds me of the words of the Lord. I will do a quick work. It's happening quickly. If God gives us another year, let's determine that we're going to intensify our efforts at winning the lost and making disciples because that's what he's called the entire church to do. Win the lost, make disciples. We're going to intensify efforts in maintaining and increasing our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because I will just go ahead and tell you, 
It's not just for the pulpit, but it's for the pew. The, the magnitude of your ministry is going to be determined solely by the magnitude of your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? And when you witness to people, what your mind feasts on and focuses on is going to come out. Your character is going to come out when you're witnessing to people. You can't stop it. You can't hide it. You, there's no way that you can stop it. That's why it is adamant that you have an intense relationship with Jesus Christ because in witnessing the people, your character is going, to, is going to be revealed and there's nothing you can do about it. That's why the story, and I, and I close with this, the story of the preacher is preaching behind the pulpit and, and, and he's, he's really wearing down on, on a sermon. But yet there's a man in that, in that congregation that knows the life and the character of the preacher and it doesn't match what he's preaching. And so, and, and so the, the, <coughs> the, the, the preacher, the preacher asked, you know, can, can you, do, do you not hear what I'm saying when I'm preaching? And he said, preacher, I can't, I can't hear what you're saying because of what you're doing. What he's saying is to the preacher, your character's coming out in what you're saying. It's being revealed. You can't stop it. I know who you are. I know your life, and your life is not matching what you're telling everybody else. Your character's coming out. That's why we have to have an intense relationship with Jesus Christ above and beyond anything and everything else in this life. Before I stand and preach to you, I've got to preach to me. Amen? I've got to be first partaker. If I preach you need to pray and I don't pray, that's going to be revealed. If I preach you need to fast and I don't fast, that's going to be revealed. I want 24, if God tarries, to be a year of greater intensity all around. And our personal relationship with Jesus Christ and our efforts for the kingdom of God in this entire world. Because every one of us is going to stand before God and we are going to be reflective on our life. I think it's good. Paul said, will you stand with me? Paul wrote to the church and he said, examine yourself. Examine yourself, he said, to see whether you be in the faith. You can't examine without being reflective. You can't examine without looking backwards and seeing what I did, what I did not do. You can't examine without reflecting on your life and sometimes that reflection can be a scary thing. But I'm asking you this morning to examine the past 12 months. Examine your life in the last 52 weeks of this year. Examine it. And then make the determination 
and for the time that God gives me in the foreseeable future, I intend to magnify my efforts in my personal relationship with Jesus Christ and, and ministry of the gospel to this world. Could you do that this morning? Lift your hands all over this building today.